terrible joke then. Um, <laughs> um, but, but the thing that I, I came up with as an illustration, there is a, uh, oh, we're recording. Um, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called uh, Call Me Bruce. Do you guys know who Bruce Campbell is? Um, so it's the young people. <laughs> Bruce Campbell is kind of a B-movie actor, right? He, he, he specializes in doing these kind of low-budget monster movies. And, and he's done a lot of them, like, like 60 of them. I, he, he has been in so many films, it's almost silly. And, and, um, in this movie, Call Me Bruce, he sort of makes fun of himself, where, um, this young teenage kid is in this town, and, and they accidentally, like, unleash this monster. And the monster starts terrorizing the town, and the kid says, well, we need someone to save us. So he goes, and he, he he's a big B-movie fan, he goes and he kidnaps Bruce Campbell, the actor. Assuming that, of course, Bruce Campbell, the actor, can fight monsters because he'd seen him do it before. And, and he brings him to his hometown, and as it turns out, Bruce Campbell's just an actor. <laughs> and, and he's not really all that helpful in the beginning of the movie, but it's Hollywood, so it gets better as it goes, right? And, and this is actually one of my favorite like things you see in movies, where you see actors put in positions where people expect them to live out what they act. You know, and you get that line, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV, so, you know, here, let me help. You know, it, it, actors, they play a part, right? And, and because they play a part, it doesn't make them an expert. Um, it doesn't make it that they know anything about anything. I mean, Bruce Willis probably can't kill terrorists. No! <laughs> it's just a guess. <laughs> um, I'm guessing, who's a, I can't think of any famous doc, I don't watch soap operas, who's a, who's a famous? House. House, oh yeah, 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 he probably can't actually perform surgery, right? Um, he can't hardly act either. <laughs> I, thank you for feeding me that, I was, <laughs> so as we start in at 6-1, um, Jesus starts out, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And so he starts out, he says, listen, if you're going to live out your faith and you're going to do it in front of other folks, um, you're going to collect up all your reward right there, right? Like if you're doing it for attention, there's no, there's no dividend being paid. Um, I, I'd kind of liken it, um, I, I like... Uh, Eddie Murphy, he did that movie uh, where where he trades places with the the stock market guy, trading places. Yeah, <laughs> and by the end of the movie, he's not a millionaire, right? Like he's just not. You know, he didn't like do any of that stuff. It's a part. And and when we stand in this spot where we live out our faith for other people to see, and so that they can pay attention to us, we come out at the end of it with nothing except the acclaim we got from the people who watched us, right? Um. And so, like, Jesus starts out, he warns us, look, you know, don't do it in front of other people. Don't do it so folks can see it. Uh, 6.2, so when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. Uh, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. All right. He breaks out the word hypocrite, right? So, so when you give, don't be like the hypocrites who step out there and they give in public with trumpets and fanfare. Nobody actually did this. It's a hyperbole for those homeschoolers. It's hyperbole is like when you say something bigger than... <laughs> That was an Anderson joke. They make that joke all the time. It wasn't about your kids. 
I'm getting in trouble everywhere, and the power's not even on. Um, so um, he says, listen, if you're going to give no trumpets and fanfare, don't do it so everyone can see. Um, a big part of, like, like in the synagogues in the first century, if you were a Jew and you belonged to a synagogue, they had a welfare system. The government didn't run welfare. Believe it or not, it could happen without them. Um, and, and the church would collect money, and they would go out, and they would take care of the poor in the community. And it was understood that every member of the church was to do this. And some folks would do this in a way that people noticed, right? Or instead of going through the church where the, the synagogue could, like, make it anonymous, they would go out and find beggars on the street and start handing out money so everybody knew, hey, look at what I'm doing. And then there was a huge amount of attention, right? Because if you give out money to guys who are begging for money, they're going to respond. And, and Jesus is warning. He says, listen, this isn't about people seeing you. Don't be a hypocrite. Now, again, don't be an actor. Because at that point, you're acting, right? It's not about like giving because this is what God commands. It's not about giving because um, God command, you know, wants us to love our fellow men. It's not about loving God and acting out of a love for God. It's out, out of, hey, look at me. Look at how awesome I am. Um, and this is a hard thing to do, right? I mean, it, 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 it's easy um, to fall into this place where you want people to think you're doing the right thing, right? Um, I, I worked at a church for a little while. Um, actually, this was not a church I worked with. This, these are, I'll be as clear as I can with this. This is somebody I knew, a pastor I knew, who uh, had a group of elders. And one night they were talking about the financial system of this church, or financial condition of the church, and the church was in dire financial straits. And all of the elders railed about how everybody should tithe like them. And it was this long meeting where everybody talked about how much they tithed. And after the meeting, the pastor was very frustrated, and he sat down with the church's financial records and started doing some math and started figuring it out, and he figured out that, like, like by going through the records, that none of his elders were giving that much. That, that they, were, they were literally, like, lying. But they were lying because nobody wanted to sit in the meeting and say, I'm guilty. I'm one of the guys who's not a part of helping this out. Because um, it's hard to say that, isn't it? It's hard to admit, I'm crummy. And I am crummy, but you could ask my wife about that. <laughs> um, and so what Jesus is talking about here, those guys, people who are going to stand up and say, I'm doing this, it's just a show. It, it's not real. It's, it's like putting on the mask and the makeup and stepping up onto stage. There's nothing to it. Because as soon as it's over, it's over. And ultimately, ultimately, whether all of you people like me, whether everybody thinks I'm a swell guy, whether everybody thinks I can, I can preach good and I give money to poor people and I, I help people out, when I stand before God, that's going to amount to about nothing, right? Because what matters is, what has meaning is my intimacy with God. And if the opinion of other folks gets in the way of that, my intimacy with God starts falling to the wayside. Um, Jesus goes on, he says, uh, in relation to prayer, this is 6-5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, the actors, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. Um, the phrase he uses here, receive their reward in full, is kind of a monetary phrase, like receiving a receipt, right? So they've gotten everything they're going to get and they got no other payment coming, Right? Like it's a play on words. Um, now, for the average Jewish man in the first century, you prayed three times a day. 
You could kind of do it whenever you wanted, right? It wasn't like, like with Muslims where it's like three o'clock, hit the ground and go, right? It's, it's whenever you decide. It would generally be in the morning, in the middle of the day. And, and four o'clock was sort of the accepted time, but nobody had watches, so. You know, it was, it was a pretty loose structure for prayer. But the expectation was you did it three times a day. Well, some folks would be on their way to the grocery store. And, oh, I think it's time to pray. And so they'd stand up and they'd do their thing so everybody could see it. Uh, you know, and, and nice and loud, right? Um, why did they do that? Well, because they wanted to make sure people knew they were praying. Um, if you go online, not right now because the power's off. Um, if, you, if you go online and listen to the first sermon from the series, we talked about this, where the Pharisees would wear these clothes that had like extra long tassels, which was part of the religious garb of the time. And they had the extra long tassels so everybody knew they were as religious as they could possibly be. You know, this just falls into this category. If you're standing up to talk to God and the first thing you're concerned about is what everybody else thinks of you, are you really all that concerned about talking to God? Um it damages the relationship and the intimacy you have with him if your primary purpose is drawing the attention of everyone else. Um, if, I were to, um, if I were to give Jessica love poems and flowers on a regular basis, I don't, but if I were to, <laughs> um, but I were to do it as publicly as I could so the other girls in town could see me doing it and know how awesome of a guy I was just so they would know, would that sort of screw up the sentiment? Honey, what do you think? <laughs> a little? I mean, it, it really does. Because at that point in time, instead of saying, you know, Jessica, I love you, and it's all about you and me, I'm saying, I really love you, but I want everybody else to know that I'm a good choice. <laughs> I'm the thoroughbred of men. <laughs> you guys are laughing because that was funny, not because it was so ridiculous in relation to me, right? Um, but that's... Wow, she disagrees. Um, <laughs> but that's not, but that's, I mean, like, so the point of this is, if you're going to approach God, if you're going to be intimate and close with God, then your attention is on Him, right? Not on everyone else. We're not looking everywhere else, we're looking at Him, period. Um, I, I like to believe that, that I have eyes only for my wife, and I like to believe that she has eyes only for me, right? This is sort of the expectation God has of us. We have eyes only for him, and he has eyes only for us. He is only God I've got, right? Because if the other God I have is your opinion of me, then I'm picking two, I, I'm picking a, two things to worship. And I'm, I'm dividing my attention, and it's like cheating on God. Um, he goes on, he says, uh, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition like the Gentiles do. For they suppose... Oops, I skipped a passage, sorry. Um, so this is six instead of seven, which I was just reading. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who, who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, the average Jewish house, you had a door on the outside with a lock, right? And then every other door in the house wouldn't have locks, except the inner room. You would have an inner room that was like your closet, and you could lock your closet for whatever reason. I think it was probably a parenting technique, but I'm not certain. Um, <laughs> and, and the idea is, I mean, you could lock yourself in there to get away from them, not something cruel. Um, <laughs> the, the idea with this is, you go in there and you lock the door so nobody sees you. Does that mean that when we pray, I've got to like find my way into the closet? 
Well, not necessarily. Like, Jesus engages in hyperbole over and over again. That's exaggeration to make a point. The idea is, pray where folks ain't going to see you, because praying's between you and God. You know, if, if my wife and I have a heart-to-heart conversation, there's only two of us that need to be a part of that, right? Um, as much as I try to engage her from the front to have these heart-to-heart conversations, most of that's a joke, not so that you can see how great our relationship is. Um, really intimate stuff happens in private. And so it is with prayer. If it's between you and God, it's not something everybody needs to be a part of. Now, there are groups that have taken this to the extreme and said, oh, no prayer in public. We don't pray in church. We don't. Well, that's kind of ridiculous, right? Um, Because then you're going so far in the other direction that you're damaging the purpose of prayer. Um, One of the things that's impressed me about this community, and I love this church for for this kind of thing, is this uh, prayer request in the middle of the service. Because everybody like gets to know what we're praying for for each other. Part of intimacy and closeness is sharing, right? And when we pray as a community for each other's needs, that's a big deal. It draws us closer. And it's, it's, so that's kind of exempt. It's not we're doing this so everyone can see unless you're doing it so everyone can see, right? And I'm sure there are people who do that. But, but, you know, the intent, the purpose is focus on God. God first. God is the target. Um, God is the relationship. So he goes on, he says, seven, which I started reading a minute ago. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now, what he's talking about here is the Jewish, or the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Uh, there's, Esubus was a Greek poet, and he made this joke about this, actually. He said, you know, like, they try to wear God out so that, that he'll hear them. <laughs> You know, they just talk enough, and finally God was like, all right, I'll just take what you want and get out. You know, uh, maybe you did this when you were kids, and you're like, Mom, let's go to Disneyland. Mom, let's go to Disneyland. Mom, let's go to Disneyland. And finally, Mom's like, all right, just stop. We'll do whatever you want. Just stop. <laughs> um, this is the way people approach God. But the other thing that they did, by praying extremely long prayers, they figured people knew they were holy, right? Because if I could sit down here, and I could pray for three hours. First off, most of you would leave, right? But you would all know I was really holy, right? So the long prayer served a double purpose. And Jesus is saying, look, you know what? Talk to God like you're talking to God. Not like you're playing a stupid game. Not like you're putting on a show. Not like you're trying to manipulate something out of him. Talk to him like he's God. And actually, he illustrates this when he goes on. He says, um, Uh, So do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Have you guys heard this one before? (laughs) Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, He gives them this very simple prayer, right? It's not flowery. It's not really in-depth. It's not really advanced. It's our Father, right? Which, by the way, a Father there is really not clear. This is a very intimate way to refer to God in prayer. It's kind of unusual at the time. Jews didn't talk to God that way. And so the word there used in Greek is, is sort of the similar to like the Abba that he uses later, Daddy. It's just a very intimate address to God. Why? Because when you're talking to God, it's supposed to be intimate. It's supposed to be about intimate, close relationship. Um, when we act, that goes away. 
There's a lot to be said about the Lord's Prayer. Um, I'm not going to dig into that today because it's not part of the primary focus of what we're talking about. Okay? But be aware, we could do a whole other sermon on that. There's a lot there. Um, but I don't think anybody wants to listen to me for that long. Um, 14. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So, here's a tricky passage. A lot of people have read this and said, well, look, if you don't forgive people, you're going to hell. It's actually not what he means. Um, what he's talking about here is this idea that um, forgiving other people, it's an outward sign of an inward reality, right? Um, it's an outward sign of who I am. Like if, if I'm in intimate relationship with God, I'm more likely to turn around and say, I am really appreciative of being forgiven. So I'm forgiving everybody else. Um, so Jesus kind of points this in the direction of, hey, this is what's real in you. Um, and keep going. He moves on to fasting. He says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. So what they would do is people would fast. Fasting is just going without eating. Everybody understands this? And it's going without eating for worship of God. What these guys would do is they would go into mourning, like they would put on black clothes and they'd, they'd look dirty and everyone would know that they were so miserable because they're fasting right now. And that way everybody would look at them and be like, wow, you're holy because you're working so hard. And it's a show, right? There's actually a cool little play on words where Jesus says they hide their face so everyone will notice. Abby does that sometimes, right? Anybody ever been around a two-year-old where... You say, no, no, honey, you can't have chocolate right now. And she, oh, and then she goes over and she throws her face down on the couch and starts screaming and then you get up and leave and she starts looking for you and follows you and throws herself down again. <laughs> it's a show. She's not upset. She's not dying. I think he just picked on Rebecca about that. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> it's all a show. It's not real. Abby's not dying because I didn't give her chocolate, Right. She's not like suffering because she didn't get candy. She's showing me how bad it is so that I'll give in. In the same way these guys would show how rough it was so God would notice how, or so the people around them would notice how rough it was. They'd put on their makeup and do the whole song and dance and it was nonsense. It wasn't about God. It was about them. It was about acclaim and attention. Um, and it made them actors. They're hypocrites at that point. Um, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will be, will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When I first started fasting, I believe in fasting. I would strongly recommend you all do it like, or, or consider doing it as a part of your spiritual regimen. It's a way to draw closer to God. It's actually very powerful. When I first started doing it, I took this so seriously that I would lie, lie to people about it because nobody could know, Right. Well, that's just ridiculous. And it almost becomes like counterproductive. Like, oh, let's see how secret I can keep this. The intent isn't to, isn't to hide it. The intent is to not make a big deal out of it, right? The intent is to make certain that your heart is primarily focused on God. First, foremost, above all else. I can't believe the power is still out. Um, sorry, that just came out of my mouth. Um, I'm acting. No, I, <laughs> um, 
And, and so, like, like with fasting, he says, listen, if you're going to do it, do it for real. Don't do it for show. Do it like you mean it, not like, like you're doing it so other people will see. Um, I, I, I had a girl I dated in college who was, was a really unpleasant girl. She was one of the least pleasant people I knew in college. But we dated for quite a while because she was also the most attractive girl I've gone out with apart from my wife ever. <laughs> I, I, I mean, she was, she was a very good-looking girl. And to a degree, I really enjoyed that I would go places with this girl and people would look at me like, hey, wow, you know. And, and my, my guys I knew were jealous, right? And that felt good. But she wasn't very nice. And I really didn't like her that much. Um, I know. I'm, I'm a terrible person. I'm admitting it. So you can all judge me. It was before Jessica fixed me. Um... But, but um, so part of the idea there was, hey, people notice me, right? But it was the same thing that the, you know, this is what he's talking about. If God is the girl on your arm that you're taking with you so people will notice how great you are, dropping the ball. You're an actor then, not real. There's nothing good happening there. Um, Jesus underlines this. And actually this last, like, couple verses we're going to look at again next week because there's a transition in the sermon here. But it's a transition that we have to touch on because it, it drives home this point. Um, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, the idea here isn't that by worshiping God, I'm going to show up in heaven and there's going to be a huge pile of gold waiting for me. Yeah. It's not that. Um, though people have argued this, people have argued that you'll show up in heaven and if you work hard enough in this life, you'll have a mansion waiting. That might be the case. But you know what? I can't imagine meeting God and wishing that I had a little more gold or a bigger house. I mean, ultimately, the, the greatest treasure to have in life is intimacy with God. It's knowing him more, more like intimately, closely. And I would argue that what, what he's talking about here is this idea that when you're storing up treasures in heaven, you're storing up intimacy with God. You're storing up a closeness that you get to experience forever. And the trade-off for that, he says, listen, or you can have it here. Specifically, you can have everybody know how awesome you are. But that all goes away eventually, right? Moth, rust, time, and eventually people seeing under the, under the mask of who you pretend to be will make it go away. But the reality of heaven is forever. Uh, my challenge to you this week as we look at this is to, is to look at your heart, look at your life, and ask yourself, am I living in such a way that I'm more intimately connected with God today than I was yesterday? Am I living out my faith so I'm closer to him? Or am I doing it so other folks will notice me? Um, where is my heart? Where is my focus? Um, my challenge for you is to dig into that. Dig deep. Um, because it turns into a big deal in the long run. It's like saving for retirement, right? My wife is a retirement plan analyst. And yet these folks, like, you can start earlier, and it's better if you start early, right? You can start late, because you, if you start late, you don't have as much when you get done. This is one of those things. Intimacy with God starts early. And it only gets better. Um, I, I, I always would explain this in relation to coffee. How many of y'all drink coffee? 
I know how much coffee we go through. I know there's more of you. Some of you are lying. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> um, I, uh, how many of y'all drink it with like six creams and six sugars? I know how much cream and sugar we go through. So um, There was this place in Elkhart, Indiana we used to go to, uh, um, the Daily Grind. And once a year on the anniversary, they would serve Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee, right? Which is like... $200 a pound. It's great coffee. And it's very expensive. And, and I would go there and you would pay $5 for a cup of coffee on that day. And, and it was better than any $5 Starbucks I ever had. Right? Um, if I were to take... I, I, uh, I'm going to pick on, on Ken over here. Ken said five cream, five sugars. Right? If I were to take Ken with me and, and we sit down and we have it together and I'm a guy, I can drink coffee and tell you what brand it is based on what it tastes like. I, I can tell you, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time drinking coffee. I love the flavor of it. I, I've developed a palate. Now, if Ken and I both drink it and he dumps his five creams and five sugars in this $200 a pound coffee and I drink mine straight, are we both going to enjoy it? Of course. Who's going to enjoy it more? Well, probably me because I've learned to taste it. In the same way, we live our lives learning to know God intimately. Um. And this is done by being real with God. Living our faith from the inside out. Not as a cover that we carry around and then doing whatever we want on the inside. Um, when you sit before God's throne, how are you going to taste his glory? Are you going to taste it as somebody who's refined a palate? Or are you going to taste it as somebody who's aware that it's a great thing and, you know, just add as much sugar as I can? Sorry, Ken. <laughs> Um, we're going to go to God in prayer. We're going to close with one more song. And I'm not going to do a blessing today. Um, so, where did he go? Oh, second. Uh, but we're going to pray real quick. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that the power would come back soon. Um, and that uh, you would move in our hearts and help us to be people who, who live real before you. Who live um, intimate and close before you. Who... who just look away from the, the concerns of the world and the, the acclaim we can get and look purely to just your movement in our lives. Um, I pray all of this before you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you want the music stand back? No. <laughs> okay. Let's go like that. I think I'll force CC4 with this dude, my Jesus. I love the first, uh, first.